7.33, continuing now with the Burning Sun scandal. It all started, I mean, when this messenger app conversation, legal video, series of conversations and videos were leaked from singer-songwriter Chung Jun Young's phone, three years after he left that phone with a Gangnam-based private forensic company to recover data. It's led to a massive corruption scandal being exposed, which we've discussed at length on the show, and I'm sure we'll continue to get updates on the legal fallout. But for all of us, it it additionally raises privacy concerns. So for most of us who hopefully are not involved with anything like that kind of scandal, we may want to simply protect our privacy. We might want to protect photos of our children. It, It could be confidential business conversation, whatever it happens to be. Are these details really safe on our phones? Let's discuss with Dr. Joshua James from the Digital Forensic Investigation Research Laboratory at Halim University. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so obviously not the best reason to be um, kind of worrying about our private data. And I think we need to really stress that point because it's it's perhaps a good thing overall that we are hearing about uh, this illegal content on these scandalized celebrities' phones. But but for most of us, do we need to be more cautious? So um, in terms of privacy concerns on your phone, I think everyone everyone should be more cautious. cautious about the data that they're sharing, especially with applications. Um, but uh, most people um, are, are, first off, not going to have data recovery services. So it's not really going to be a concern, um, let's say, for the average person. Um, and then at the same time, most data recovery services aren't going to be, um, let's say, so immoral just <laughs> to actually go through a customer's data um, like that. So um, every every so often around the world, you'll hear about um, kind of incidents where somebody goes in to have their computer or phone fixed, and then uh, a technician does eventually um, like look through the data or leak some data. Um, but the number of cases where that actually happens is a relatively extremely small percentage um, compared to the total number of uh, data recovery services that are offered every day. So right, um, yeah, safety in numbers to a certain extent. Then I mean, let, let's just. Um, Let's just address a hypothetical scenario. You're um, a professor or a business person of some kind, and and you have your data recovered. And then three years later, you are looking to run for office, and suddenly you're under heavy scrutiny. Would that data company likely still have that on record, just as a a matter of course? So uh, this is something... um, I'm, gl- I'm glad you're bringing it up because it's something that clients really need to bring up with whoever they're consulting. If they're going with a private data recovery company, um, you have to discuss what the data retention policies are. Um, and, and maybe not just even with data recovery companies, but also with um, different services and apps that you use online. Um, you're sharing your personal data with a lot of different services or, um, in this case, data recovery services. Um, but most customers have no idea... Um, what uh, that company is allowed to do with your data and how long they're allowed to keep that data. So um, whenever you're initially making a contract, if you're a a professor or potentially a politician in the future, anything like that, you need to um, make it very clear about what that company's data retention policy is, what they're allowed to do with it, and when the data will be um, uh, disposed of properly. 
Right. Very interesting subject. And I know that we have numbers on our side, but we we take actions all the time based on fairly low risk. Uh, and and so perhaps people do need to consider more the uh, the safety of their phones, even if it's just, like I said before, protecting images of their kids. If you just happen to go to the wrong person at the wrong time and they see images of your kids, you know, right. they, they might use them in the wrong way. And it, But it, this is a very specific example, data recovery. What other scenarios are there where that data might become available through our phones? Not necessarily social media where we're, where we're voluntarily giving them up. Um, I mean, for example, um, syncing your phone's data, so doing backups. Kind of similar to uh, data recovery. Instead of having your data recovered, you can just back it up and then have the backup stored somewhere. Um, if you're syncing all of your photos to a service... Um, I don't want to name a particular service because they're not necessarily bad, but if you're backing up your photos to a particular service, then you are giving those photos to a private company. And then that risk that you know some technician is going through those photos still is there. Um, most companies are attempting to, to remove that risk as much as possible, but um, people would still have access to your data if you have uploaded it or if you've given them access to it. Um, so in terms of photos of your, your kids, I would say that um, most devices now back up to some sort of cloud service. So as long as you're aware about where those um, images are being backed up to and what those images contain, um, and you're okay with giving that information to a, uh, uh, a company, um, yep. then you don't really have uh, too much of an issue. But um, there's always going to be a risk that somewhere in the chain, um, someone is making a stupid mistake or um, uh, just being malicious, right? Um, so I think overall, the average person doesn't normally need to worry about it too much. Um, but you still should be very aware about what you're sharing all the time and, and with whom, who has access um, to your data. And then if you're not comfortable with a particular company or a particular person having access to that, then just don't share or don't upload. Back up a different way. Something, though, that I've been aware of is, for example, through social media groups or, or these chatting applications, uh, I get sent things all the time, memes and videos and sometimes inappropriate GIFs or whatever it happens to be. Sure. And, and, and if you don't delete them straight away, they, they, get, they, they sit in a gallery somewhere and, you know, you might not have wanted them at all to be on your phone, but they're there. I, I actually had this very conversation with my, my father the other day because he, he was really concerned about uh, his, his phone, um, some of the things that are just stored on his, on his gallery. And uh, I had to talk, talk him through on the line how to delete it. A lot of people who aren't that, that familiar with smartphones, they, they might not uh, know how to delete it, let alone remembering to do it. Right. So, so that sort of opens up the possibility of blackmail, doesn't it? If, if you might not even be aware what could be done with your data. So um, there are a couple of scams that are, that are based around this kind of concept where I send you something and then um, I tell you that it looks like you did it. So in this case, if I send you a, a, a bad picture, now the picture is on your phone. Um, so then I can, if I can convince you that um, I can, uh, let's say, tell people that you have bad pictures on your phone, then maybe your reputation is damaged or uh, it's illegal or something like that. Um, there are scams around that kind of concept. Um, 
the only thing to think about is if um, something like that actually went to police, um, uh, it, it just wouldn't it wouldn't work <laughs> as a, no. as holding you liable, right? So if the police actually found, okay, yeah, they have brought a lot of rude uh, memes on your phone, um, the police first off could potentially find out or should be able to find out where those actually came from and find out that you didn't have the intention to to actually download those. They were just given to you. Yeah, there should be a uh, so, pattern there of some kind. Yeah, so so um, uh, all I can say on this is really don't be tricked. If somebody sends you something and then tries to blackmailing, blackmail you by um, just saying that you're now the one who's doing this illegal thing, um, just don't believe them. That's... That's the biggest thing. No, I, I, I would totally agree. But like you say, there may be people out there who, who would be. Right, a lot, fooled. actually. So a lot of people um, do fall for that kind of thing because they don't really understand. Um, they can see the data is on their phone. Um, and then they think, well, it's on my phone, so now I'm responsible for it. But um, that's not necessarily the case. If somebody's trying to ask you for money after they send you for something, do not pay them. Do not interact with them. Just, um, yeah. just stop anything and, and we live in a in a world where there's this expectation now that you're going to hold the person who sent you those things to account. But in reality, it might be someone who you don't feel comfortable lecturing to about <laughs> their own um, choice of what's appropriate or not appropriate. Um, we're not all involved in these close-knit celebrity chatting groups where they're sharing the videos that we've been talking about on air. Um, 4106. I'm curious about the security issues with 5G. It feels like with more advanced technology, you're entering another phase of security problems. What's the reality there, Dr. James? Um, I mean, the, the security pro- threats don't really change that much. Um, 5G um, just enables a lot more, um, let's say, connectivity, real-time connectivity. Um, so you'll see a lot more things like um, uh, automated cars or... Um, IoT devices in homes and things like that. Um, the network itself doesn't really change the, can I say, the threat profile. Um, but the devices that will be built on top of 5G, because 5G um, does kind of advance the way networking works, um, you'll see a lot more devices coming out um, that are, let's say, non-traditional. So devices that you wouldn't have seen before, smartphone, uh, smart homes and IoT devices are a good example of that. So um, whenever these new devices come out, um, uh, and this is this is what our research is primarily primarily focused on, are the um, security and privacy concerns out of these new devices. Um, what we find is most of the time, whenever these devices first come out, um, uh, most companies are more concerned about getting to market than they are about security. So uh, very much like we saw with um, access points. Whenever people first started getting high-speed internet, people would get their access points in their home, um, and the software on those access points would have vulnerabilities and never be updated. Um, we're seeing something uh, similar, not exactly the same, but similar for smart home devices that are coming out, where um, the market is more important than the security. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so just be aware that these devices that you're putting in your home are also connecting to the internet, um, and they are sharing whatever information that um, uh, they might be recording, like doors opening or potentially cameras or something like that, and they're also sharing that information, usually with some sort of cloud service again. Right. 
Wow. I mean, so that side of it, the devices themselves, is something we need to watch closely. Uh, what about older devices, though? You talk about new devices there. What about the, yeah. the ones that we throw away, dispose of, or perhaps sell or give away? Can we feel confident when we wipe the slate clean on them using the, the, the smartphone's own clear data services? Yeah, um, if it's a smartphone. So um, for for a while now, uh, most smartphones that you buy have had um, whole disk encryption um, enabled by default. So if you have whole disk encryption enabled by default and you do a factory wipe, you can you can feel very confident that it's um, going to be uh, very, very difficult to recover any data from that. Um, if you don't have any encryption on your phone, if it's a very old model, um, and you do a factory uh, wipe or a factory reset, it will reset the state of the phone um, to, um, let's say, almost clean. It's still very difficult to recover any data from that, usually. Um, But theoretically possible. Um, We've got one more question for you, which is just the Android versus Apple thing. And you talked about clouds before being a potential place where we could be vulnerable. But generally speaking, is there a difference there for Android and Apple users? Um, there was, let's say, a couple years ago, but now, um, uh, now they're, com- uh, let's say, Samsung, LG, uh, uh, Apple devices, they're all competing with each other. So the security um, of all of them is, um, from, a, from a normal consumer perspective, is basically becoming the same. Um, so the things that you have to um, do to secure yourself are essentially the same now for Apple and, um, let's say, an Android device, most Android devices. Um, so the average person, I think, doesn't really have to worry about it. There are technical differences, but I, I definitely won't bore you with, with those. Well, I'm afraid, I, I mean, I, I don't think I would be bored by it. I found this very interesting, but we are out of time, Dr. Joshua James. Thank you so much for joining us Thank this morning. Yeah. Dr. Have James there Bye. from Halim University.